It is a beautiful Tuesday here in Rhode Island. This is episode number 144 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. So today we're going to be talking about telling your story. So you guys know this is what this channel is about anyway, because I am, as you all know, the storytelling coach. So I found someone else who tells stories just in a different fashion. So this is going to be a very, very informative I'd like to say, you know, we'll throw in some comedy in there, too, to entertain you guys. But the biggest thing is that we want to motivate you to take the next steps. So if you are new to the show, welcome. If you're joining me on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. If you're joining me on Facebook, please share, because we're going to drop all kinds of golden nuggets, and you don't want to keep those to yourself. And if you have no clue who I am, let me introduce myself. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of, front of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. Alrighty, so now, before we get to my guest and we get to the main topic, you know we have to do today's teachable moment. And I'm going to take you to this past weekend. I was away in Indiana for a Spartan Beast and for a Spartan Sprint. And so for those of you guys who, for, for those of you who know me, you guys know I am super competitive. And I am also very hard on myself. So today's Teachable Moment is going to talk about dealing with failure. Because too many times in life, we give the word failure too much power. So failure just means at this moment in time, the goal was not met. That's all that means. That doesn't mean you suck at life. That doesn't mean you should quit. That doesn't mean you just throw, throw up your hands. So, and one of the obstacles, now obstacle racing, the obstacles are my strong point. And like running, not so much after multiple surgeries on my knees, but the obstacles are where I shine. And there was an obstacle that actually got away from me on Saturday. And it still bothers me today. <laughs> so, but people can tell you in the gym this morning, as I'm teaching my classes, I was working on my areas that need to be worked on, which led to me failing this one obstacle. So I could have easily just chalked up and been like, no, nah, you know what? I, I just can't do it and just accepted that reality. But no, that's not the case. I immediately went to work. So whatever it is that you're working on in your day-to-day -day life, if you hit a roadblock, that doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It just means for that particular day, it didn't happen. Because I'm going to see that obstacle again in two weeks in New Jersey. And I promise you, there's going to be a different result. So grand scheme of life, um, completing an obstacle, is that any major thing? No, it's not. But it's the principle that matters. Because in life, we have struggles as well. And usually people quit right when success is at the doorstep. 
that's when you walk away. So whatever goal you have that you're working on, see it all the way through. Because I promise you, you're closer to success than you think you are. All right. So now let's get to the main topic about telling your story. And when when, when you're telling your story, so obviously we're going to be talking about working with entrepreneurs once I br- bring the guest on. But like just telling your story in general, you want to tell all of it. Don't just tell the parts of your story that make you look good because the motivational stuff is in the struggle, right? It's very easy to talk about all the glitz and glam and all the fun stuff that you do. Like I just started this, like I completed 52 obstacles over the weekend, but I shared with you the one that I missed because that's where the transformation comes from, from when you trip up somewhere in your life, you, you extract a lesson from it and then you use that to motivate and inspire other people. Like that's the true beauty of telling your stories. And so my guest takes it a step further. And who is this guest, you might add? He is the founder and CEO of Rensler Media, a digital production company that helps entrepreneurs and small businesses tell their unique stories and support their brand with technology and social media. He believes everyone has their own path to success, which is absolutely right. One based on distinctive ideas and interests that separate every good entrepreneur from their competition. See, this is the stuff that that I say all the time. And so it's awesome that he said it almost word for word of what I say probably every other episode. So I am very pleased to welcome to the show Skylar Irvine. Irvine, Irvin, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't ask you backstage. <laughs> you got the important stuff right. That's all that counts. Thank you, Robert, for having me. My pleasure. All right. So where are you joining us from? Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix. All right. Are you originally from there? Uh, for the most part, I was born in California, moved out here, went back to California, went to school in Santa Barbara, uh, then moved back out here post-college and met my wife. And, you know, they get you to stay places and haven't left since. <laughs> they get you to stay places. <laughs> I love it. That's going to be the quote, of, the quote of the day. <laughs> oh, don't let my wife, she won't see. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So what do you like about living out there? Um, I mean, I got into real estate at a very early age. I, I graduated in um, 07 and I graduated into the last financial crisis that we had. Oh, yeah. And at the time, real estate was just demolished when I got laid off my job in, in California, like most people did. Um, yeah. Coming back to Arizona, mm-hmm. I was able to do things, start a business, invest in real estate in a way that would not have been anywhere close to possible in California with, okay. with starting prices, 10x, taxes, 10x, and and a lot of the red tape. And um, So at an early age, in early 20s, th- that was what was so amazing about Phoenix was it created a lot of opportunities for a young person to do things that probably would have been so difficult without um, a much larger um, chest of, of cash, so to speak, <laughs> to try to do the same type of thing in a place like California, um, especially when it's such an easy trip over there. Um, yeah. I, I remember thinking I was missing out on so much when I moved back to Phoenix and I'd go back out there and visit my friends. We'd all go to the beach and say, Oh man, I'm so jealous. You guys do this all the time. And they say, well, actually, no, we only do this when you come and visit. And (laughs) once you realize that you always feel like you're missing out on a lot more, but in reality, it's like, Oh, I go to the beach just as much as they do because once the world starts and you got work and responsibilities and stuff, it gets harder to do all those things no matter where you live. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And uh, I remember I had to go for some medical testing in Manhattan I remember speaking with one of the nurses 
And she's like, yeah, I've never been to Times Square. I've never been to the Empire State Building. And I was like, really? It's like, people come from Japan to go see those places. <laughs> I was like, like, and you have it in your backyard. But yeah, just life and you know, raising kids, going to school. It's like, you, you don't necessarily have time to do all those things. So it's, it's almost like they're a little taken for granted. Yeah, especially when they're close by or especially when they're really easy to get. Like, we, we, we're the Grand Canyon state and the amount of people that are from Arizona or live here that have never seen the Grand Canyon with their own eyes is the same type mm. of thing of being in Manhattan and not going to Times Square. It's it, it seems so easy to do that you put it off too long and then all of a sudden you never do it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you were you were raised in California? Uh, mostly raised in Phoenix. I moved out here okay. when I was about five years old and went oh, okay. to school out here. And then uh, college, I went out to Santa Barbara. Okay, so so what what made made your family move to Phoenix? Um, I, I it's one of those things. I, I I don't know. I you're you're a kid at the time, so you just hear the stories. But my dad yeah. was from Wyoming. He was a rancher for most of his life and very entrepreneurial. And my mom was a surfer girl from California. And my mom tried to live in Wyoming and hated it. My dad tried to live in California and they hated it. So they found <laughs> a state that was kind of in the middle and okay. made it their own. <laughs> that's a great answer actually <laughs> yeah i mean it, honestly it's the best compromise and and um yeah if you take those lessons later in life they they sure do pay off and it's, it's just funny how how small and connected the world is because my business coach he's actually from from california and he he wanted to have a ranch in wyoming and same thing he and his wife went out there for a bit she was not having it and then they so he ended up building building like a, a live he took old moving boxes and turned it into a living space like storage crates i mean okay, and, yeah. and i gotta say it's pretty it's pretty nice because we, we had a retreat there in in new mexico and it's really nice like if you walked in you wouldn't even know that it was it was storage containers but but anyways way same scenario like they went out to wyoming and she was like hell no so they settled in in new mexico so i guess, guess that happens more often than we think yeah, right. the, the marriages that stay together is uh, is when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, got got to be good at that compromise. All right. So let's get to know you a little bit better. So how would you, you describe yourself if I were to say who is Skylar? Uh, that's a great question. And I mean, uh, it might not connect with the, the theme of the show, but I mean, honestly, I'm a dad first and a husband and I'm a student. Um, I've always been pretty entrepreneurial before I knew that really was. Um, I'm very um, motivated and I get excited about learning a lot about new things and then applying things I've learned from other areas towards those new things. Mm. Um, and I think entrepreneurial entrepreneurship made a lot of sense. And I'm very lucky to live in a time where that's a lot easier to do than it has been in years past. Uh, you can do a lot of things and, and try a lot of new ventures without a lot of startup capital. Um, I know it's it's nice to have that starter capital, but sometimes that can actually be a detriment when you don't have to do it the hard way. You you don't learn the right way. And mm. if it's really easy to have money and invest in things, you don't really know if you're investing in the right thing. So um, I've done a lot of different ventures throughout my life. I've been in real estate. I've um, had ventures do really well. I've had them fail. Um, I've always loved marketing. I've always loved helping the the little guy compete with the big guy. Um, that was how I was able to, to thrive in real estate was entering a very crowded space and finding my own niche and making it work for me and, and carving out a spot and taking that philosophy and applying it to other businesses was, was always exciting for me where I would like to work with 10 businesses at once 
personally instead of really hard on one business and mm. getting into marketing and branding as something that I'd, I'd been doing for so many years, being able to spin off and, and go all, all in on helping other small businesses become medium-sized businesses, become larger businesses, and then helping those founders and entrepreneurs and sales professionals really figure out how they want to be spending their time. And a lot of it's, well, why do you want to be bigger? And the answer to that is usually so they can achieve X, Y, Z. And it's like, yeah. well, if you can present a case where you can achieve X, Y, Z without getting bigger, do you still want to get bigger or do you just want X, Y, and Z? And a lot of people have never really thought about it that way. Some people want to be bigger. They say it's X, Y, Z, but really it's because they like their name in the lights and they like how it feels. And that's fine. Just be honest with yourself because then all of a sudden you're going to achieve one thing and, and you keep moving the goalposts further and further along and you're stuck in this uh, treadmill and not really accomplishing what you want to be accomplishing because you're doing everything for the wrong reasons. And COVID is, is kind of an opportunity for a lot of people to realize that and whether or not you're working at a, a job that you just kept getting promoted long enough to stay a little bit longer, but you don't like what you're doing and you don't want to be doing it anyway. People are getting that wake up call and being like, do I really want to do this? Um, I know there's a lot of business owners that, you know what, they, they're too afraid to walk away from their business because they don't want to feel like they've failed. And COVID is an opportunity for them to, you know, let's use COVID as an excuse and just say, let's close up shop. I'd rather go work at a company or I'd rather go do this mm. other thing. And um, that's always been really interesting to me is, is we only get one chance on this life and what you want to do in your 20s might make a ton of sense. And by the time you're 30, you know what, you're a different person. You've changed a lot. Are you still doing a lot of these things based on these rules and structures you gave yourself at 20. And should you be, should you reevaluate those? Let's tear it all down and say like zero based thinking, tear it all down. Starting today, if you could do anything, what would you be doing? And if it's not what you're currently doing and it's like, okay, well, if you're really serious about that, let's, let's take this as an opportunity to just say, okay, if I was doing the things I want to be doing, what would be the first step? And can I do that today or tomorrow? Um, and that's what, I really like to preach in my content now. I mean, we just released the book to try to give people a tool and a guide to help them. If you've got this idea, but you feel like you're too far behind in the social media world, which is so many people, this book is a guide to just say you're not. Like everything you know is way harder to learn than the social media part of it. I, I compare it to that movie Armageddon when they say we've oh, got to yeah. train these uh, oil drillers how to be astronauts because that's easier than training astronauts how to drill for oil. It's like, no, that's not, of course that's not true. I mean, Ben Affleck even admits it in like the commentary. It's like, yeah. of course that's not true. It's way harder to teach a social media person your business than it is to teach a business person a little bit about social media that will help them get their message out, connect with customers, grow their business, scale, do all the things that really matter because business is really hard. Everything you know about business is way harder and more difficult for someone to learn, especially a 25-year-old social media person who might be great at Facebook and TikTok and Instagram, but connecting with your customers is a whole different skill level. Yeah. And people that are really passionate about what they do, they can do a lot of that stuff more naturally if they take control of it. Okay, awesome. So you you unpacked a whole lot there. So um, yeah, you asked me who I was. That's not, that's <laughs> no, I, question. I mean, I could just fill up the hour if you want. <laughs> no, no, this, this is good. So I, I wrote down a lot of stuff. But before I, I start asking specific questions, so with everything you just said, how would you describe your childhood? Uh, great childhood, probably as spoiled as could be, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, grew up in a great place, played sports, um, had an older sister who 
I was always trying to catch up to, you know, when mm. I think when you're the youngest, you're always trying to do things faster and get there further. So yeah. um, I probably was too much in a rush and still am today trying to achieve things faster. Oh, okay. You were 10 when you did that. I want to do that when I'm eight. Yeah. Um, that type of mindset carries with you. Um, but other than that, I mean, great childhood, great parents, um, had every advantage you could ever want and ask for. And there's probably guilt that even comes with that of like, am I doing enough? Could I be doing more? Um, but as far as that goes, I mean, I ex- consider myself extremely blessed and take that as a lesson to say, okay, how can I give my children a strong and powerful and balanced childhood as well? What lessons should I try and have them learn earlier rather than later? Um, I was someone who like school was really easy for me for most of my life. And then I went to a hard college where I was surrounded by very smart people and was just, it was a culture shock of just, wow, these people are so much further along than I am. Mm. Why is that? And there's a lot of reasons for that, but um, taking that and, and adapting to that and saying, okay, how can I, how can I use this as a, as a learning opportunity? Uh, and then today, how can I use that as a learning opportunity for my kids? Show them, not let them get too comfortable in, in in the specific like comfort zone and keep introducing them to new things where, okay, it's easy when you're really good in, in dance class and you're, you've been doing it for a while. So you're comfortable and you're great. Well, now let's go do karate and go back mm-hmm. to remembering what it's like to be a beginner and be nervous. Um, whether or not you do karate for the rest of your life, isn't really the, it isn't really the important thing. It's remembering what it's like to be at the bottom and starting and, and when people treat you well, how well it feels when people treat you poorly and are mean to you, how much that sticks with you. So that way, when you are at the top again, remember those lessons and keep reminding yourself by, by going out and trying those new things, which is kind of ties back into me just always wanting to be a student is is I love being the be- like the worst one in a class. Um, I don't know. I, I enjoy that more because I just feel like, okay, there's so much for me to learn. This will really fill my, my void for a while. Um, if I've been doing something for a really long time, I, I almost lose interest in a way that might even hurt me, uh, which is why I like helping a lot of different people uh, accomplish the business goals that they want to do is, is it keeps that, keeps that fresh and keeps that exciting for me. Nice. Have you ever done a tough motor race? I did actually. Uh, it's been a while. I was, but I've done one. Yeah, just just to do one. I wasn't really in shape at the time, but it was a good yeah. time. Yeah. So I was only asking because the beginning of each race, if you have Sean Corbell as the MC, he always asks, "When's the last time you did something for the first time?" He asked that question every single time. So like you were just saying about, you know, you're at the top of your dance class. Now go take karate and see what it's like to be at the bottom again. And that's pretty much what Sean says whenever he asks that question. You know, when's the last time you did something for the first time? And it's just all about learning. It's about being uncomfortable. It's about challenging yourself and just growing, just growing as a person. Because if you only sail in the top in one area, you're missing so many opportunities to impact people in other areas. You know, so like, you, yes, you have your personal growth, but it's like you want to be able to give. Like you were saying, you know, you know, am I doing enough? You know, am I doing enough? So I was given workshops and stuff with my fitness clients, but it's like, why limit myself to just them? You know, it's like when I can bring this message to more people. And so I started doing other, other functions around, around the state. But Rhode Island is a very, very small state. 
<laughs> it's like, I want to reach more people. So now we started with the podcast and I was able to get on TV and then international TV and on radio shows. And it's like, you'll just be surprised how far your voice can reach if you really have the drive to get it out there, you know? And so like with you, like you have a, me a media company already, but you still see the value in getting on shows like mine and other, other platforms because you get to reach new audiences every single day. And that's an amazing feeling. Yeah. I mean, it's the best way to connect with new audiences and, and trying to get your message in front of new people because a lot of the stuff, I mean, there's so much media out there today that you're not always saying something new and you might be someone who's heard the same thing 10 different times, but that 11th time you heard it the right way at the right time by the right person at the right yes. moment in your life. And it yep. made a huge impact. And that's, what's kind of motivating to keep pushing and keep helping where you put out some content and you get a lot of positive reviews. You get that one negative one. And that's one of the one that sticks with you all the time. Yeah. But then you get that other one where it's like a private DM every once in a while. And it's like a life changing moment that'll bring tears to your eyes. And you just have to remember that there's more people out there that just aren't sending you those messages, but it, it makes a huge impact because um, there there's nothing like that. Cause I didn't have that when I was starting out. And a lot of the content I do are basically writing stuff or creating videos or putting a book out of like, here's a book I wish I had. Here, here's what I wish I had when I started out. Because yeah. when I was trying to figure it out in my 20s, entrepreneurship like wasn't even a term that you could use that people would understand. And I was listening to books on CD in my car because that was just that was the best content I could find were these really expensive, like nine disc CD packages to to learn about these things I didn't really teach in school, like entrepreneurship and, and sales and and how to win friends and influence people and the richest mm -hmm. man in Babylon and a lot of these concepts that now are discussed on a minutely basis with podcasts and YouTube videos, which is phenomenal. And yeah. that's great. Um, trying to create it and break through the noise is is always going to be the I mean, that's what that's what content creation is in the first place. But not trying to reach everyone and trying to reach the right people is yeah. is where the success lies. And that's where that's where the magic happens. Absolutely. So getting back to what you were saying about getting like that private DM, I actually got this in the mail the other day. And it says, because of you, life is better in so many ways for so many people. Like, and you, you just, you hear stuff like that and it's just like, wow. You know, it's like, wow. So those, those handful of people that, that want to throw shade or throw, throw hate. It's like, I don't even entertain them. Like, cause they're always out there. And anytime you're doing anything yeah. worthwhile, someone's going to talk about you. And I, I mean, I have this conversation with my kids they are eight and six, they're in school, third grade and kindergarten. And yeah. kids are always going to say mean things. And, yes. and the one thing that they've learned and we talk about all the time is that, like mean people aren't happy people. Yeah. And it just comes with that. And once you realize like if someone's being mean, whether it's a, a comment on YouTube or on the playground, it's like happy people don't do that. And it, it switches it from being mad to kind of sad or empathetic of just being like, like what's going on right now yes. that like makes me want to make, bring other people down. And, yeah. and it's not easy. Like I get it. You, you, something happens, your emotions flare up, your fight or flight takes over, you feel hot and all that stuff. So yeah. maybe take a day before you respond or anything. But, but a lot of times once you realize it's like people, people aren't tearing you down because they're so confident in their own skills. It's they <laughs> exactly. see something in you that they um, are envious of or wish they had, or it reminds them of something that makes them feel bad. And that's, 
that's the the tough thing. And more people are going to go down to Yelp to make a complaint because they didn't feel like they were taken care of than people that had a pleasant, okay meal. You either have to go way above and beyond to make them so happy that they want to go and leave you a positive review. But it's really easy for someone to just be in a bad mood about something else. Maybe their wife threw them out. Maybe their dad died. Maybe they have to take their dog to the vet. And it's easy for them to kind of just like fire it off in another direction, hoping it'll make them feel better by, by passing it along. Yeah. We know that's not true, but for, for all of history, I mean, we keep doing it and it's really kind of like how you want to react to that is all you can really control. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So earlier you used the word adapt and that's a word that, that I use an awful lot. So when the pandemic hit, how did, how did you adapt, you know, personally and in your business? Um, as a business goes, it was, I mean, I had just expanded our studio. We doubled in size. We built out this awesome production studio that allowed a business person, whether they were nearby or wanted to fly in for the day to basically spend a couple hours here and get a month's worth of content for their business. Yeah. And then overnight it was, no one can travel. Everyone shut down. Everyone stay at home. Um, so the timing, I mean, it, it was, you, you've got to make these giant leaps every once in a while. You hope for the best and it was really just the worst timing of doing this, all the equipment costs overhead, and then everything shuts down. Mm. So it was kind of pivoting, whereas a lot of it was wait and see. And it was a really difficult time because some of our clients said, Hey, we want to come in anyway. We don't care. This thing's fake. I've got my, my top video production guy just had his baby a month early and um, was kind of touch and go for a while. And I was like, I'm not going to expose him to anything that's going on. Like, yeah. I've got to just say no, like basically lose a lot of money for a while and just shut this down and see what happens. So coming out of that, I was doing homeschooling with the kids. I told my wife her business was, was slammed. She does mortgages and everyone wanted to refinance because rates dropped and mortgages went crazy. I said, hey, I'll just do the take the kids. You do this and we'll figure this out in six months or whatever yeah um so a lot of me a lot of what i did was downsizing the business making it very lean making it really easy or pivoting to remote production being able to do like a live stream like this where right now you might be pushing buttons where we make it so you don't have to push the buttons you know and do all that work for you for remotely as opposed to coming in the studio um and a business side it kind of made fun where I cut my hours dramatically, spent way more time with my kids and coming out of this, that's all I want to keep doing because as someone who brought this up earlier, where it's like, okay, you're doing, you're doing X because you want to achieve Y down the road. Once you have a better way of achieving Y, are you still going to do X? And a lot of us just keep doing it out of, out of just uh, repetition and habit. Um, but a lot of these things I wanted to do was be able to spend more time with my kids. Here I am spending more time with my kids. I have other businesses. I have other investments. I've been extremely fortunate. A lot of the things I did in the last recession set me up very well. So Rensselaer Media took a giant hit. Skylar Irvine was doing okay. Um, it, it was, it's hard. I feel like you're losing face. If like, I don't keep growing and don't keep, I'm not out there all the time and, and growing this, but I, just stopped doing content because I didn't have the time. And as someone who's doing podcasts and videos all the time, just turned it off, was finishing up my book that was published during this last year. That was brutal. Uh, just to kind of get through a lot of that and spend a ton of time with my kids. And it's been the best thing ever, to be honest. And um, now just trying to find ways of maintaining that where um, I'm coming out of this. It's like, all right, I'm never working more than four hours a day anymore because I don't have to. 
You know, I, I, I convinced myself I was working long hours so that way I could provide a better life for my kids. And it's BS that I'm providing a great life for them. They've already there. Um, it, it's selfish of me at this point. Um, maybe that changes in, in three years. Maybe it changes in six or 10 or whatever. But um, I'm not going to hold myself to these things I wanted to do in my early 20s and early 30s because your life changes. We have three kids now, you know, three kids is a lot different than two. It's a lot different than none. Um, and, and that's, that's where I'm at now. So, um, business is actually great and we've, we've scaled it down a lot. We, um, closed down half the, half the office and actually sold a good portion of it at a profit. And it's just funny how things work out. And, um, now I'm a small team and we're doing a ton of work with just the clients we love. We don't have to say yes to every client because we're, we're not in that scale at all cost model, which is a phenomenal place to be in. Um, and the book's doing really well and it's allowing me to get more one-on-one time. Whereas before it was just constantly putting out fires, dealing with all clients and scaling and sales and and everything that matters where I don't have a ton of overhead now. So I could be very, very selfish with my time. And I highly recommend more people try to do this. Yeah. See, like I I want you to actually expand on that more because when people are in an unfulfilled, unfulfilling career, and say they have, I don't know, knitting was the first thing that popped into my mind. So let's say say they like to knit and they want to be able to teach other people to knit. But people just have this, this big picture that they're going to need tens of thousands of dollars of startup. And they're going to need, you know, 15 employees and all, and all of these other things to get started. Whereas, like, I started my fitness business with a generic certification because I didn't know any better at the time. I got a generic certification and I started in the spare bedroom in my house. <laughs> and then that, that was it. And then by the time I opened up my facility, I had almost 200 clients. So like we were we were pretty much building it out with the profits that we were already bringing in. And then that first month, we were profitable right out of the gate. You know, but even still since then, because it, it got to pretty to pretty big where I had business partners and I had seven trainers working with me. But then I realized I don't want all that. You know, so I got like, I don't want that. So I've scaled it back big time because I want to do more of this. Like, I like being on camera. Like, my dream job is to host is to host a TV show. Like, I would like, honestly, if you want to get specific, I want to host Survivor. <laughs> if Jeff Probst ever retires, <laughs> I want that job, <laughs> you know. So, but just what would you say say to someone about just getting started? Because I saw in when I was looking through your stuff about turning your ideas into into money. Yeah, the big thing is, is like, so it's kind of the opposite of what you talked about at the beginning of it, where you you were doing the Spartan race and you hit an obstacle and it's the obstacle didn't go the way you wanted to. And you were held up on it and you really wanted to do better the next time. And in business, it doesn't work that way. That happens to a lot of people, but that's not how it should work. You have to understand like, okay, if you're doing this race and the goal is just to get through it as fast as possible. If you get hung up on one obstacle and then you're focused on being an expert at that little obstacle, it's distracting you from actually finishing the race altogether. Mm. And we do that in business where, okay, I want to be a knitting business. I'm going to start a YouTube channel, but first I have to buy a camera. And now I bought this camera and now I need to learn how to use it. And, oh, well, this camera now needs a new lens and now I need better software for my computer. So now we need to learn how to edit. Meanwhile, six months has gone by and you haven't gotten any closer to actually doing your YouTube channel. That is the main purpose of your knitting show in the first place, because we get held up on a lot of these obstacles. 
to increase your chances of success in business, it's like remove as many obstacles as you actually can, because mm -hmm. the obstacles are kind of an excuse not to continue the race. You're whether it's fear or different variations of fear, fear of success, fear of failure, they both exist. Yes. Procrastination is, is another type of fear. All those things are true. Starting a YouTube channel with your phone is extremely doable. If you are super passionate about knitting, it doesn't matter if you're shooting in 4K or if you're shooting on your camera. It really doesn't because your audience isn't going to be that huge based on your productivity or based on the production value. It's really going to be based on how much you care about the thing you are talking about and how engaging you are. And that's why like, that's why TV show host like Jeff Probst is awesome at what he does because he doesn't have to worry about the camera. He doesn't have to worry about the lighting. He doesn't have to worry about this other stuff. He's able to focus on the part he does and be awesome at it. Yes. As a business person, you're trying to start something. You're trying to be as awesome at the thing you do across the board. And it's just going to take too much time and you'll never be there. The more time you spend on, on another aspect, obstacle, whatever it is, you're taking away the time to do the thing that is going to make your channel successful or your business successful, whatever it happens to be. And I think that that's the main lesson to take is like, okay, I'm here. I want to get to there. What's the fastest, easiest way for me to get there? If you're 20 and you have no debt and you've got a rich dad, your path might be easier than if you're a single mom at 40 with three kids you have to take care of. You don't have the same the same resources. So you have to be realistic. You can't try to compare yourself to that person because they're at a different place than you are. So, okay, you probably don't have eight hours a day to spend on this. Maybe you've got eight hours a week. So you have to be like, okay, how can I make my eight hours more valuable and use that to my advantage versus someone that's got way more time to do these things? I, I, I know it's a lot easier for me to start a business at 24 with no wife and no kids and all the time in the world than it is at 34 with a wife and kids and a lot more responsibilities. Being realistic with that, knowing that I'm like, if I'm doing a Spartan race, I'm not trying to compete with the best athletes there because they've been training longer than I have. Yeah. My goals and my, my values of success are a lot different than the person who's trying to go for the best time. I might just be trying to finish the race because this is how I want to spend my Saturday. That's how business is. Business isn't a one way to win, one way to lose. It's maybe you just don't want to have a job and you've got free time and you want to monetize a hobby and, and turn it into an income stream. Then you're not going to be trying to do the same things that like Jeff Bezos is doing when he's trying to scale the largest company in the world. Having a clarity and, and a clear mindset about those things, I think, is, is a crucial step for someone who's literally trying to go from zero to one, trying to get started, is being very clear about what it is you want to accomplish with this venture and then finding out the easiest way to get there because things are going to get in the way. Like, like a death in the family could derail you completely. So if you've made it hard on yourself because you're like, well, I don't care. I'm going to make it hard on myself because I can. I'll push through it no matter what. Every obstacle you add is is going to make it so much more difficult to succeed because there's so many obstacles you haven't even seen yet. And you haven't even thought about ever occurring. Those are going to happen. So you don't want to like go out of your way to put additional ones there because you're going to have to deal with stuff like that you haven't even thought about yet. Like that's that's a given. And any business owner can attest to that. Like yes. all the things you worried about never happen. It's the stuff you never worried about that keep keep happening because you just didn't know that they were going to occur. You never saw them around the corner. That's so true. Like we, <laughs> when we built my facility, <laughs> we put $30,000 in. We got the flooring down. We got the turf down. We got the equipment in, everything in. And I was like, oh, we got to go apply for the, for the business license. Now we had already built the gym. <laughs> so I go down 
And the guy's like, oh, uh, you can't put a gym in that building. It's zoned for manufacturing. I was like, but we already built it. <laughs> and he's like, well, you can't open. He's like, you, you got to have, have a meeting with the zoning board. Now, this was in September of 2014. We didn't get the zoning meeting until December 10th. So here I am with, you know, like 170 clients, I want to say. And I had already left where I was renting space from. So it's like, what are we going to do? And so luckily, there, there was a smaller gym across the way from us. So we, I, I went over, spoke, spoke with her. You know, we negotiated some, some terms for us to train over there until our facility was, was ready. But that was definitely unforeseen, you know. And, and now with me, like my business acumen's not that great. My business partners at the time, they're both big into business. So I was actually surprised that one of them didn't know. I'm not saying it's their fault, but I'm just, just surprised one of them didn't know. But yeah, that was, you know, deep derailed us, cost us a lot of money, but it didn't stop us, though. That's the thing. So we, we found ways around it between there, between training and parks when, when the weather cooperated. But we just found a way to push through it and keep going to our goal. And to your point, you had mentioned about the clarity of vision. And, you know, I mentioned that in my intro video as well, because a lot of the clients that, that I work with, they just don't know what they want. Now, do you find that a lot? Yeah, or they want things for the wrong reasons is a common one. Yes. Uh, I want this because I think this is what I'm supposed to want. Mm -hmm. um, especially in business. Like I think I should get bigger because that's what business is supposed to do. Um, in reality, some of the best run businesses in the world stay small and make a ton of money and enjoy what they do every day and take long vacations and uh, are very active in their communities. And you might not have heard of them, but um, in their local communities, they're, they're saviors. And um, Small Giants is a book that I highly recommend a lot of people read to give you a, a different um, look into what a successful business could look like. And I think that um, understanding that and having having an understanding of what you want to do and why you want to do it is really key, because if you don't do that, you're just going to kind of go with the flow. And the flow is isn't a positive thing, like like whether it's the rat race or the matrix or whatever you want to call it, the, the flow is just kind of it leads you to a life of uh, of of not pure enjoyment or not, not, not real enjoyment. You kind of, you kind of get stuck doing these things where you're working for the weekends and then you're hitting happy hour and then your happy hour extends to nine o'clock and then you're waking up Saturday hungover. And all of a sudden the weekend you've been working for has been cut in half because you feel crappy the whole time. And, mm -hmm. and then you wake up on Monday and then you're like, Oh, I should join a gym. I should like, you just start going through these motions because you don't really know why. And, and the, the happiness that you achieve becomes like a diminishing return and you really kind of like it's unfortunate like for me it happened when the first recession hit like i got fired from a job that i hated but i don't know if i ever would have quit because i it made my mom and dad proud that i was working there yeah. um so for me it was a it was a great opportunity i got fired i moved home i felt like a failure i had student loans i was living at home but it gave me the confidence to kind of be like okay like i failed doing this thing i hated I'd rather go do something I want to do because if I fail, like I know I'll just end up here. Like my, 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 my like floor, my rock bottom isn't that bad. Like it, it's embarrassing. I feel silly, but I know that I can fail and I know what failure feels like, but failure doing something you hate is a horrible failure. Failure doing something you love doesn't really feel like failure. It feels like a lesson. 
And a lot of people say, I'll fail fast. You don't fail. You learn lessons. It's like, you can fail and not learn a lesson. Like the lesson I learned was like, fail doing the things you want to do. Because if you fail doing something you want to do, like you didn't really learn anything other than you just really didn't like doing that thing. If you fail yeah. doing something you like, you're like, all right, well, next time I'll do it this way. And that's a very different mind shift. And it, oh, the only the only common theme there is is doing something that you set out to do that you took the choice to do versus the thing I thought I was supposed to do. And when you're doing the things you think you're supposed to do, you can end up very, very unhappy. And I, I, I wish that doesn't happen to, to anyone because that's, that's an awful feeling. See, and, and when that does happen, too, I feel like like the universe tries to push you in the right direction. But too many times people don't see it. They don't recognize it. You know, so, for, for example, very similar to what you just said, I was managing restaurants for a long time and I had just started doing fitness just more so as an outlet. And so I started making right around the same money doing three fitness classes a week. I, I used to do what I do. I did Monday, Wednesday and Saturday. That's it. One hour classes. So that's 12 hours a month versus 60 hours a week times four, which is 240 hours a month versus 12. And I was making roughly the same money, but I just didn't have it in me to quit the other job, you know, because at least with that and now I have five kids. So it's like, you know, I'm raising five children. I have a fixed income. You know, we got cars to pay for and got the house to pay for and everything else. So that those limiting beliefs start kicking in. It's, it, but it's like, dude, you're making the same money on 12 hours. Like imagine if you put even half of the management hours into this business, what will you be able to do? Even though I knew it, but I, I still couldn't make the leap. And then same thing. I got fired from my job. I didn't do anything wrong. I was completely blindsided. Manager just came in midway through my shift, had my last check in his hand and said, we're going to move in a different direction. Same time period too. This was 2009 during the recession. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but had that moment not happened, I don't know how long I would have hung on to the management job. And since I started this, like I've been impacted thousands of lives. And even with this now, like this podcast is, is being heard in 20, I think we're up to 25 different countries now. And, and it's like, I, I, it's like, I knew I was good at what I did, but just sometimes getting the belief to make the leap is what is what holds people back. So and with what you do, how do you help people overcome that? A lot of what my business is, is helping new businesses that have already made that leap or helping yeah. existing businesses that are that are trying to take theirs to the next level. Um, I they've been in business 30 years, but they have a terrible online presence and they don't know why it's not working for them. They hire their niece through their social media and they don't know anything about the business. So then they just stop after a month and just say, uh, Facebook doesn't work for us or whatever. Yeah. The book that I wrote was really to kind of help the people that are in between. Uh, when, when COVID hit, I looked at it like, you know, this feels a lot like when I got laid off in the last recession, I want to write the book that I wish existed. And the book is basically uh, like a, a, an intro to turning an idea into money in the digital world at, at its simplest level. It's whether or not you have a business that you need to start taking online because all of a sudden we're working from home and you have to, or whether or not you've worked at a career for a long time and you've gotten laid off because it wasn't your fault, but the, the market shifted for whatever reason. And now you've got to take uh, your side hustle and monetize it. Um, or you're in that third category. You just woke up and said, you know what? I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. This is my opportunity to make a change. I just don't know where to start. Building an audience online is is filled with a lot of buzzwords and 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 
life coaches on Instagram. Having an actual book about social media that won't go out of date in, in six months was the challenge I wanted to take on. And the way I did that was kind of analyzing how marketing and advertising has worked for over 100 years. Technology changes, but the basic rules of advertising and marketing is about getting the attention of the person you want to get the attention of and then sharing your message with them. Yes. Whether or not it was the radio in the 1920s or um, Instagram in the 2020s, it's, it's connecting with the people you need to be connecting with. So if you're someone who thinks that I need to be on TikTok to reach a new audience because that's where everyone is, but your your business clients happen to be like 35-year-old professionals well, maybe it's not TikTok because that's not who you need to reach anyway. Being yeah. the hot, trendy thing doesn't mean it's the right thing. YouTube is still absolutely crushing it. It's like, we think TikTok is popular now, so now YouTube's going to die. Well, it's like, Coke never died because Pepsi got popular. Yeah. You know, like, we, like Ford never crushed GM. It's these things are settling and finding their, their niches and finding their places and they're going to have their own audiences and it's going to settle that way. There isn't just one brand to rule them all. People want multiple choices and multiple options. Different people want those things. Um, so if you know the story you want to tell and you know who you want to tell it to, then the next step is how are you going to tell it? And that's what the my book really answers for you is, okay, if you're a natural storyteller, maybe something like podcasting and video makes a lot more sense than, than writing a blog or an e-newsletter. If you are petrified of the camera and every time you turn it on, you break out into hives, it's like, well, then don't try to overcome that while also trying to build a business and an online brand. Just don't use cameras and use use a different platform. Use use yeah. audio, use video, or use use text based, or use photography, or use something else. Like there are answers for you. A lot of people just don't know even the questions to answer. And and when you talk about how to help those people overcome that first step, that's what this book is about. Is is essentially taking everything, all the conversations I've had with all the business owners who have taken that step. What's pushed them over the edge? And I've got so much empathy for those people because it took me getting fired to want to do that. It takes something drastic to do that. COVID is something drastic. This this last year is something drastic. So a lot of people are achieving that. It's one thing to know it's going to work. It's one thing to read about it. But like you said, the, the first time I got a check that wasn't from an employer, but was from an investment I had made, it felt like different money. It wasn't. It was the same money, but it felt different. Like I felt like someone was going to come and say like, hey, actually, no, you can't use that money because you didn't get that from an employer. Yeah. Like that's the weird stuff that gets stuck in our heads. And I have to remember that. The same thing as going back to like, what's it like to be at the beginning and the start of something? Because it's really easy for me to say, here's how you need to be doing it. Here's what you need to be doing and you'll be successful. But I also know that I knew those things when I was stuck in that little um, like mental cloud as well. And it took something outside of my control to make that change. So if someone is stuck wanting to make that change, like I totally have empathy for that. Like that's a hard move to make, um, especially if you got responsibilities, especially if you've got kids or, or debts or certain things to pay off. I know that there is light at the end of the tunnel, but unless you've gone down that tunnel yourself, it, it's harder to believe, I think. Yeah, that's that relatability factor that um, a lot of people, a lot of people need that. You know, they, they need they need to know that you fully understand what I'm feeling, you know. And so like when you're like, so I help people tell, tell stories, but more so on the personal level, not so much for business. I mean, although I, I do that too, but it's just more so 
like for for example, I'm, I'm working with a, a man now who really hasn't come to grips with the passing of his mother. And so helping him just sort through those feelings, like just leading up to, you know, the, the relationship, the upbringing, like kind, kind of how I lay out this, this podcast. Like I like to get into the backstory so I can better understand the current story. And then we pluck out the teachable moments there and then, you know, help, help whoever I'm helping, you know, overcome the thing that's, that's bothering them. And so with the branding and stuff. So, how do you how do you go about bringing someone's story to life? Getting them to tell it in the most natural form is crucial. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of business owners who are great at talking about their business. You put a camera in front of them and say, "Okay, tell me about your business," and everything changes. <laughs> so, I mean, that's honestly like why podcasting is such a great medium for most business owners, especially for local communities. Starting a podcast is a phenomenal business hack. And I, it's how I got started when I launched Renzo Media. I knew that I could cold call the CEO of a building right across the street and say, hey, I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee and tell you about our services. And he's going to say, no, go to hell. I'm busy. <laughs> I also learned that I could call him up and say, hey, I've got this podcast. I'd love to feature you on a show and introduce mm. you to a new audience and then provide you with some additional content that you could share with your network. The, the yes rate turned to 100%. And not only that, they're coming into my office and my studio and sitting down with me for an hour to talk about their business. That is the ultimate business hack right now. It's not going to last forever. We've never had something like that before, but that shifted the narrative of now I'm able to connect with, if I do that once a week, I connect with 52 plus business owners in a local community. If I don't, if that doesn't drastically improve my own business, then I'm doing something drastically wrong. Yeah. That's opportunity. All you can do is give yourself more opportunities, more at bats. A lot. I learned this a lot in sales, especially in real estate, and especially with like young people getting into the business. Is you take every lead and you spend all your time trying to turn that into a sale. When the real answer is just to go and get more leads. Being awesome at getting more opportunities will yield more success than trying to be an expert closer to turn every lead into a sale. It's going to take more work, more energy, and it's going to take away from your business. You'll start trying to convert clients that wouldn't be your best clients in the first place. If you're only working with the awesome clients, they refer you more awesome clients like then. Yes. Your business gets better. Your business is more fun. It's more enjoyable and things work that work in a better format. Trying to close every single deal isn't always the right answer, especially for a small business. Yeah. If you are if a giant sales professional working at a huge organization, then yeah, you need to have like awesome sales skills. But if you're an entrepreneur or a small business owner or you're you're running a gym, it, it's you want to fill the gym with people you want to spend an hour with, yep. not people that have been pushing against you the entire sales process and in the middle of a workout are asking you for a discount or telling you about their friend who's got a better trainer than you. It's like you wish you would have never closed that deal altogether. And by creating content online, finding your niche, finding a great platform for you that's connecting with your clients that your best client avatar there is, you will automatically weed out the people that don't like you. That is a positive. Like it's, there's a world of abundance. If you found an awesome business that works, you're not going to be able to work with everyone, but you'll be able to work with the right people. And the right people are the people that are going to naturally be drawn towards you, which is why I love video, which is why I love podcasting, because it gets people to know you a lot quicker than a hundred newsletters or, or 50 blogs. You can connect with someone right away. When I was in real estate and started doing a lot of video marketing on Facebook at a time where Facebook was, was laughed at by professionals. 
I was looked at as lazy because I didn't want to go knock on a bunch of doors in the neighborhood to try to cold call people and get them to, to sell their houses. That would take 10 hours to maybe talk to 10 people. I could spend one hour making a video, post it on Facebook, share it with people that mattered and reach a hundred people in a weekend, a thousand people in a week. The video is still out there converting today. That's the type of mindset of like, okay, I'm not young. I don't have the time to go do that door knocking thing. So the person that's doing that, great, that might work for them. But if I'm the video guy that becomes awesome at doing the videos, it's going to be really hard for that door knocking guy to be as good as videos as I am in five years. That'll be my advantage. So what are you, what's your advantage today? If the, if the person is out there, like taking your liabilities or your weaknesses and making them your strengths is, is what I think the strongest thing about branding is trying to copy your competitors is like trying to catch the first place person in a race car track. If you're copying what they do, you're never going to catch up to them. Like you, you'll, you just physically can't because you're going the same speed and the same moves. Yeah. You have to do something different. So play to your own strengths and find a way that it makes it really easy for you to play to your own strengths. And you kind of touched on it, but but knowing what your own story is and owning it, good and the bad, is is the biggest advantage you have. It is such a strength because so many everyone is worried about their own stuff. Whatever you're worried about, like that's probably your strength. That's probably your advantage, whatever it happens to be. You just kind of have to spend some time in figuring that out and then step outside your comfort zone and just get started with sharing that story and and kind of using it as a, as a conversation starter and hearing how people respond to it and, and using that as a, as a way to con- connect with people and engage with people. You'll be surprised where the more vulnerable you are in – in your content, the more it will connect with people. And you, it, it really is shocking. And I wish more people could experience that because the, the truth of the matter is if you do that for a year, you're going to get a lot of messages like the one that you got printed on that card in front of you. Yes. See, and, I'm, and I'm glad you said that. I just did a video about three weeks ago on the power of vulnerability because people think being vulnerable is a sign of weakness, but it's not. It's the ultimate strength. Like if, if I was to go through the passing of, of, of my father from be, from the time we found out he was sick to, to the, the day we watched him move on, it's like there, there would not be a dry eye in the room. You know, there just wouldn't be like, does that make me a punk? You know, because it would bring me to tears. It's like, no, like that takes strength to, to get up on either whether a platform like this or live on stage and go through that emotional time for myself and my family. But, but it takes that takes courage, you know, and, and people people admire courage, you know. So like there would there wouldn't be anyone in that room who would be like, look at this crybaby up here. But internally, that's what we think is going to happen. And that's what keeps people in that box, you know. So it takes pe- like people like like you on your end, people like me on my end and many other people out there. That's our goal is to just help you get out of your way. You know, that's pretty much what it is, because once you get out of your way, you can accomplish tremendous and amazing things. The only one that's stopping you is your own disbelief. You know, so we're coming up on time. So what what type of services do, do you offer? How can people get in touch with you? Uh, video production, content creation for entrepreneurs and small business owners. So a lot of the things that we talked about is if if you're ready to share that story, but you don't want to do any of the technical stuff yourself, that's what we do. We, we just come in and plug in that technical stuff. Um, find your medium, find your platform, and then optimize all your content for it. Uh, I'm a big believer that if you're a small business and you're just getting started, 
pick one platform and really really own it and figure it out before you go to the next platform. Don't try to be on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the same time because you'll burn yourself out trying to keep up with them all. Um, know your skill and, and really dominate that. So whether or not you need help figuring out what that is, or you do know what it is, and you just want to outsource a lot of the tech stuff, that's that's what Renzo Media does. All right. And uh, how, how can people get, get your book? Um, Amazon niche, please. Uh, it's available everywhere, but Amazon is the only place that I know for sure has it all the time. I've seen it in target, but not consistently. Um, so either go just Google it or go to, go to Amazon search for it or go to my website, skylarirvine.com and you'll find more information there. Like it's spelled like this. Perfect. All right. Niche, please. Or it says N I C H E please. And you can find that on Amazon. That's just foot for the people who are going to catch it on the audio. And uh, totally. who won't have, have the video. Yeah. So that, that, that's awesome. So give us a, give us like, like some final thoughts. Um, final thoughts. That's a tough one. Uh, we touched on a lot of good items here. Uh, my one piece of an encouragement would just be that it doesn't have to be super deep. If you just want to get started, if, if you're running a, a gym, for example, and you are trying to start your, your content, strategy posting something on instagram or wherever your audience is and saying hey i'm so passionate about my business i love this this is all i've ever wanted to do in my entire life but i've got to admit i'm not good at sales uh what's your best piece of advice for me to help get more clients if you ask people for help like that they will not only probably become clients they'll become a sales force for you they will help you they will give you tactics they'll give you strategies the more you ask for help the more surprised you'd be with the amount of people that do want to provide help, whether it's in your local community, your local network, or you're engaging with a whole new network altogether. People love to share what they know and not trying to be an expert at everything is, is such an amazing hack, especially if you just want to own the thing you do and, and ask others for help. Yes, ab- absolutely. Like not, not knowing stuff. It's nobody knows everything. And whenever people throw out, throw out, you know, how many degrees and stuff that they have. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying anything negative about degrees, but I mean, but that, that makes you proficient in that one area. You know, like that doesn't mean, you know, everything about everything. And even in business, I don't know everything there is, there is to, to know about business. Like not at all. I just focus on the things that I'm good at. And then the things that I need help with, I get help with, you know, so like my daughter start, my oldest daughter starting to, to work with me now on stuff here and I'm bringing in one of my longest tenured clients because she's far more organized th- th- than I am. Like this all looks ni- nice and neat. Let me move, move this green screen. It's a whole different story back there. <laughs> you know, so like, like organization was never my, my, my strong point. So I'm bringing in people to help me out with that and keep me where I belong, which is here doing the training videos, doing the mastermind calls, doing the podcasting. Cause like, that's where I belong. And so like my, my advice to anyone listening, and if you're on the fence, you know, just like Skylar said, ask for help. Ask for help. He's got his services. You can go, go to his site, SkylarIrvine.com, S-K-Y-L-E-R-I-R-V-I-N-E.com. You guys can re- reach out to me. Just reach out to someone. Find someone in your, in your local area. But the thing is just ask for help and get just get started. Because once you get started, you can always expand. Because one, one of the biggest things that, that I hear people say is that I need X, Y, Z. You don't need X, Y, Z. Just get started. 
that you know, once you get started, you can make it better. You can make it better. When I opened up my gym, I think we had four kettlebells. We had three sandbags. We had a handful of dumbbells, a couple medicine balls, and a couple jump ropes. That was it. And then over time, we added monkey bars. We added climbing ropes. We got a whole fleet of kettlebells now. We have a whole fleet of dumbbells now. And we got sleds and so on and so forth. But we got started. And, you know, because nobody, nobody really wants to downsize. But people always want to upgrade, you know, meaning your clientele. Like people don't want to come into the gym, see all this great stuff and then not see all the great stuff, <laughs> you know. So but you can always wow them by adding more. So Skylar, thank you very much for taking the time, you. you know, for taking the time. Um, Don't si- sign out, though, because I have some connections for you. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, this was a. With a solid talk, as I knew it would be, and I like the organic, free, free flowing talk because it just, it just flows, you know. So, thank you very much, and I'll be with you in one moment. Perfect. Thank you. All right. All right. So that was Skylar Irvine. If you are tuning in late, make sure you go back and watch the entire thing. So, especially if you're thinking of starting up a business, or you look, if you're looking to scale your business, his services. Sounds like that's what he does. If you need a better online presence, social media presence, look him up. You said you got RenslerMedia.com. You got SkylarIrvine.com. You got his book on Amazon, Niche Please, N-I-C-H-E Please. So we got multiple resources there. And it doesn't cost anything to look into it. Just look, look into it. And if it resonates with you, I'm sure he's got a contact form. You know, just have a conversation and see if it works for you. All right, I'm going to be back tomorrow where we'll be talking with a local dance and fitness studio owner here in Rhode Island talking about helping you bring your sexy back. So I got for you for today, and I will see you tomorrow. Have a great day. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com.